Good. We continue our new series on the life of Christ and some of the things that he said in particular. We're in Mark's Gospel this morning in chapter number 2 of Mark's Gospel as we continue our series on the life of Christ. When I was growing up, some things were pretty much different than they are today. We certainly did not have closets full of clothes. That wasn't what it was. Most of the clothes we had were hand-me-downs. I remember going shopping for school clothes at the Mill Outlet in Batavia. Anybody remember that? The Mill Outlet. And if I got one pair of pants and three shirts, that was a really big deal. Usually not that much, but I remember once, a pair of pants and three shirts, I was on top of the world. The point of it was that you wore the clothes you had until you wore them out or you outgrew them. And the play clothes, as we called them, were usually threadbare and extremely well-worn. And so when I crashed my bicycle or slid into home base, I'd often tear holes in my pants, especially in the knees. My mother would just shake her head. Uh, She was not a seamstress or a sewer of any kind. And so I remember if I lost a button from my clothes, I'd ask her to sew it back on. She'd make me thread the needle because she couldn't see it. And she'd try to sew on the button. And when she finished, she'd hand you back and say, well, good luck with that. (laughs) And a lot of times the button would fall off in a few days. But patching a hole in the knee of my pants, that never went well either. I remember when they came out with an iron-on patch. And my mom was thrilled. And she would iron on that patch You remember they were stiff and covered with glue. Didn't feel like clothing at all. (laughs) I could usually wear those off in a couple weeks. So I suppose that for most of the history of the world, that mending clothes was a very common occurrence. Most of the world's poor only had one or two changes of clothes. So it's a universal problem. Mending old clothes with patches and stitching up the holes. Everybody did it. Now one of the great talents of Jesus was using common everyday things to teach spiritual lessons. Planting seeds. He'd talk about that. Teach a lesson. Tending sheep. Losing a coin, a grapevine, a fig tree, children's games are all things that he used to teach a lesson. And yes, even mending clothes became a spiritual lesson that Jesus used to teach ideas about God and the human condition. In our text today, he very cleverly uses the common habit of mending clothes to teach valuable lessons to those around him. Once again in our text now, there is an event that triggers what will unfold in the story. So this story begins by the Sea of Galilee. 
The city is on the Sea of Galilee, Capernaum. It's a city of commerce. So in a place like that, we can expect two things. Businessmen making money and taxmen collecting taxes. It seems the two always go together, don't they? So here we go in Mark chapter 2. I begin reading at verse number 13. Mark chapter 2, verse 13. And he, that is Jesus, went forth again by the seaside. And all the multitude resorted unto him, and he taught them. Now Jesus had made Capernaum his main center of activity. And he preaches in the synagogue on the Sabbath day. He preaches in various homes through the city throughout the week. And one of his favorite places to preach is by the seaside on the shores of Lake Galilee. It's the common marketplace of Capernaum. You go there to buy your daily food or fish. You go there to sell your wares. You go there to ship something by boat. And so Jesus often begins to preach to the crowds that are gathered there right by the seaside. He even uses a boat sometimes for a pulpit. And the best way to describe what is going on in Capernaum is to say that there was a spiritual awakening. The people of Capernaum, because of Jesus' preaching, are becoming interested and fascinated in what he has to say and in religion. And so in order to put ourselves in the mood of the people of Capernaum, I would ask you some questions this morning. The first one is this. Are you a religious person? person are you a religious person i my guess is that you would all give a lot of different answers to that question of are you a religious person probably the reason for different answers would be based on your definition of religion the dictionary defines religion as a belief in and a worship of god and a specific system of beliefs and worship built around God. And I think that's a good definition. If, if I would add anything, I would say this. Religion is man's approach to God. Of course, we know that some people think that Buddha is God. Or Allah is God. Or Vishnu is God. And those people in their religion are misled. But if we're talking about God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, then we're on the right track. So my question is, are you religious? Do you approach God? Do you seek Him out? Do you pray to Him? Do you worship Him? In Capernaum, because of Jesus' preaching... People all over were suddenly finding a new interest in God. A new desire to learn more about God. And to some people, it was a very intense awakening. As a matter of fact, some of the businessmen 
were so interested that all they could think about was what Jesus said and what Jesus did and where is Jesus today. And they were fascinated in everything he said or did. And then Jesus did something that he hadn't done before. Attracted a lot of attention. There were some of the fishermen that sold fish every day at the market. And Jesus had walked up to them while they were mending their nets and said, come, follow me. Two brothers, Peter and Andrew, and then down the lake a little ways, two more brothers, James and John, it says they left their businesses. They walked away from their nets and followed Jesus. They became his followers or his disciples. Everybody in Capernaum knew that Jesus was gathering disciples. That caused a big stir. That's what the famous rabbis did, or the teachers, or as we might call them in our day, college professors. They would gather students, hand-picked, to be their own special students or disciples. And Jesus had picked several disciples right there from the seaside in Capernaum. Of course, Jesus was different from those rabbis. The rabbis chose their student from the elite in society, wealthy families, social status was necessary to be the disciple of a rabbi. But Jesus is picking fishermen. (laughs) No money, no status, no social standing. It didn't make sense to the scribes and Pharisees. But it caused a great stir in Capernaum. Now among the large crowds that gathered by the seashore to hear Jesus was one man who was not very well liked by most people. But he listened to Jesus with a keen interest and he was fascinated by Jesus. He knew Peter and Andrew and James and John from business dealings. But inside of him, he was hindered. He made a life choice that made him unpopular. He chose to be a tax collector for the Roman government. And many Jews considered tax collectors to be traitors. And if a tax collector were to go to the temple in Jerusalem, the priests considered tax collectors to be excommunicated from the church. Tax collectors were not allowed to participate in the services. And so they became social outcasts. And this tax collector heard Jesus He longed to hear more, and he listened somewhere from a distance as Jesus preached by the seaside. And when he heard that Jesus had called Peter and Andrew and James and John, oh, how he wished that Jesus would call him. But he thought, Jesus will never call me. I'm a tax collector. 
a social outcast. All religious people shun me. I seriously doubt that Jesus would ever call me. And as he worked in his little office by the seaside, as he wrote down his figures, tallied his accounts, I'm sure he just couldn't concentrate. All he could think of is about what Jesus had said. And then in disappointment he thought, but Jesus would never pick me. Verse 14. And as he passed by, Jesus saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the receipt of custom. And he said unto him, follow me. And he arose and followed him. Levi, or Matthew as we call him, who wrote the Gospel of Matthew, he heard somebody open the office door, and he looked up expecting a businessman to come and settle accounts. And there in the doorway stood Jesus. And in a kind voice, in a gentle way, Jesus said, Matthew, come, follow me. And he got right up out of his feet and threw his pen down and went right out the door. Just like that. And he followed Jesus. The desire was already there. And the spiritual hunger was already awakened. Matthew wanted to be a religious person. And when Jesus said, follow me, he did it right then and there and he became a religious person. And that day was the happiest day of Matthew's life. Yes, he made poor choices. He became a tax collector for the Romans. He was hated by the Jews. He took the job and probably profited like the rest of the tax collectors by overcharging people on their taxes. And now, choosing to follow Jesus, excited by the whole idea, he throws a party for all of his friends to celebrate his new choice, I'm going to be religious. I'm going to follow Jesus. So the party is at Matthew's house. Verse 15. Came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat in his house, many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many, and they followed him. Publican was the word that they used for a tax collector. So Matthew was a publican. And naturally all of his friends were tax collectors too. They came to his party. And sinners, it says, were there. <laughs> that is, people who chose to do wrong, live by their own rules, cheat in business most likely, unsavory characters. Matthew's friends were also at the party in the center of attention. Jesus at the head table as the guest of honor. Jesus is at the party. It's a loud crew. It's a motley crew. And it's a party. Now one of the things about the culture in this day was that if a big party was thrown by someone in town, maybe a wedding party, maybe a birthday party, or just a holiday party, it was expected that all the local people were invited. There was no guest list in those days. 
It was open invitation. Anybody could come invited or uninvited. And it was just the culture of that day. Therefore, it leads us to verse number 16. When the scribes and Pharisees saw him eat with publicans and sinners, they said to his disciples, How is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? Into the party come a group of scribes and Pharisees who considered themselves to be the religious people of the day. So here are people who claim to be religious. They are proud of their religious activity. Remember, Matthew's new lifestyle and goal was to be a religious person. And I ask you, are you a religious person? Certainly we can say without any doubt that Jesus was a religious person. He was the greatest religious leaders of all time. So when the scribes and the Pharisees come to Matthew's party and they see Jesus, they ask, why? Why is Jesus a religious man eating with these thieving tax collectors and this motley crew of sinners? Well, they came to the party to see what was going on. They would never sit down and eat with these people. They feared that any contact with those publicans and sinners would make them unclean. And of course, in those days, people ate from common dishes. They all picked up the same dish. They drank from common cups. Not that the scribes and the Pharisees were afraid of contagious disease like COVID. That's not it. They truly believed that they touched one of these unclean, excommunicated people. They too would become unclean and stained by these people's sins. And then they'd have to go make a sacrifice to be clean again. So they stayed away from publicans and sinners. Now my friends, let me ask you another question then. Does your religion separate you from other people. These scribes and Pharisees are shocked when they see Jesus eating off the same plates and drinking from the same cups as the publicans and sinners. And they say, what is he doing? Verse 17 When Jesus heard it, he saith unto them, They that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus says, I don't look at these people as contaminated sources of contagion. I look at them as patients in need of a physician. These are my patients. I'm their physician. I didn't come to help righteous people. I came to help sinners. Now that attitude of Jesus is what made it the happiest day of Matthew's life. Matthew knew he'd made bad decisions. He knew he was wrong in his tax collecting. I'm sure his mom and dad had urged him, don't do that. 
But Jesus was going to fix all that mess. And when Jesus stopped in at Matthew's office and stood in the doorway and said, follow me, it was understood. Jesus was a doctor and Matthew was a patient. And he gladly accepted Jesus as his great physician. The scribes and the Pharisees had never looked at people that way before. So my friends... If you want to be religious, but you feel you've made some bad choices, you can come as a patient with Jesus as the doctor. Don't feel like you don't belong. Doctor is gladly taking new patients. But wait, there's another complaint from the Pharisees, verse 18. The disciples of John and the Pharisees used to fast, and they come and say unto him, Why do the disciples of John and of the Pharisees fast, but thy disciples fast not? Apparently, they have a second reason for not sitting down to eat at Matthew's party. First reason, we don't want these people to contaminate us. And the second reason, it's a day for fasting. We Pharisees have a rule that on certain days of the week, we all fast. That is, we don't eat anything. When we fast, we show how religious we really are. And the Bible set up a rule. If you read the Bible, you were to fast one day a year in the Old Testament, one day a year on the Day of Atonement. And that was the only fast. But along the way, somebody thought, well... Maybe we should fast on Tuesday. And then the Pharisees came along. They decided we're going to do it better than everybody else. We'll fast Tuesdays and Thursdays. So we can't eat. It's our day for fasting. And we are more religious than most people. And this proves it. Let's see what Jesus will say about that. Verse 19, Jesus said to them, Can the children of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then shall they fast in those days. Jesus points out the reason for Matthew's party. Number one, Matthew chose to follow Jesus. He walked out of the tax collector's business, left it behind. He walked away with Jesus, and he did it for good. Number two, second reason for the party, Jesus came to Matthew's office with an invitation. Jesus invited Matthew because of what was happening inside of his heart. So Matthew is happy. So is Jesus. He says, Jesus is like a wedding. When the bridegroom invites you to his wedding, it's a happy occasion. You're there to celebrate the wedding. It's supposed to be joyful occasion. So my friends, let me ask you another question. Is your religion fun? Do you enjoy being religious. Consider it. Think about it. Are you religious and do you enjoy it? Jesus did. And so did Matthew. The Pharisees did not. 
There is nothing fun about being a Pharisee. The Bible tells us that on a fast day, here's what the Pharisees did twice a week. They got up in the morning. They did not wash their faces. They left their clothes all disheveled. They walked around with long faces. And they said, we're fasting today so we can be very religious. I had a friend once, we invited him to dinner at our house, and my wife cooked a nice meal we could share together. She set a place at the table for him. He came, we talked a bit, and then we sat down to dinner. We passed in the food. He said, oh, no, I can't eat. I'm fasting today. I said, well, I'm not. I'll eat. (laughs) I ate my wife's delicious meal. Jesus said, there'll be a time someday when we need to fast, but now's a time for happiness. Now's a time for joy. This publican has decided to follow me, and it's a happy day. Well, the scribes and the Pharisees never looked at life that way before. So, right now, you're beginning to get the idea that maybe... There might be something wrong with the scribes and the Pharisees and their religion. Yeah, maybe. Sure enough, Jesus will explain it. Watch how cleverly he teaches these scribes and Pharisees. Verse 21. No man soweth a piece of new cloth on an old garment. Else a new piece that filled it up taketh away from the old And the rent is made worse. Sure enough, there it is. Jesus talks about mending a hole in your clothes. He says, if you've got an old worn out pair of pants and the knee is torn open, if you use a new piece of cloth to mend the hole, the new piece might shrink when you wash it and it'll tear off from the old piece the old worn out pants. Because the new is strong, the old is worn out and weak. Now you Pharisees and scribes have been doing things your own old way, your old habits, your old worn out ways just can't hold up to my new living ways. You treat people like contagious diseases. I treat them like patients to be doctors. You never have fun or enjoyment. I enjoy and celebrate good choices and I encourage people to be happy. Your old ways will just fall apart like a worn out pair of pants. I came to do something new. Verse 22. No man putteth new wine into old bottles, else the new wine doth burst the bottles, and the wine is spilled, the bottles will be marred, The new wine must be put into new bottles. Here's another example Jesus uses. New wine and old wine skins. Now in those days, wine was put into a wine skin, which was a skin of an animal that was sewed up. And the problem was that an old wine skin would be all stretched out and after a while become brittle. After being used a lot. New wine would ferment. And the old wineskin 
could not stretch. It was all brittle and worn out. So the old wineskin burst open and the wine would spill. Therefore, new wine, says Jesus, must be put into new wineskins that will stretch and grow when the wine ferments. Once again, the Pharisees' old religious system couldn't handle Jesus' new ways. Jesus included ordinary people, fishermen and tax collectors in his new religion, not because they were wealthy or had any social standing. He chose them because they had a desire to follow Jesus, because they longed to make Jesus the main thing in their lives. And that, my friend, is what it means to be a religious person. It's an inward hunger, a spiritual awakening, a desire, an all-consuming desire to live your life for God. And a choice that says, I'm your patient God. You be my physician. And from that comes a happiness and a joy that Jesus will gladly celebrate with you. Being religious, Jesus' way, is a happy, fulfilling experience that changes your bad decisions into good ones. If you think being religious is all heavy and burdensome with no pleasure and no fun, then remember you can't patch old pants with a new cloth. Jesus offers you something new and something different, something pleasant. Don't fall for the old ways of the scribes and Pharisees. Jesus invites you to come, follow me. He promises you will enjoy it. May God bless you as you become a religious person. Jesus' way. Do it the way Jesus recommended. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you that we can think about these things. We can ask ourselves questions. How are we doing? And do we add up? We thank you for Jesus' kindness and his open heart and the many ways that he is good to us. We're glad that he can be our physician. And we're glad that he's so open and good to us. It doesn't matter where we've been or what we've done. We are free to come. What a pleasure it is to come to you and we thank you. We want to serve you. We want to go out the door and say, I'm here to follow Jesus from now on. So bless us as we make those choices we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. In closing, I'd like you to turn in your hymn books, if you will. Hymn number 207. Hymn number 207, standing as we sing. Be not dismayed, whatever be tied. God will take care of you. Standing as we sing, 207. Page 207.
come to you, we would look for something new, and that we would look for the love of Jesus in our hearts, we would look for that forgiveness, that is that new wine in the new wineskin, not try to patch up our old ways and not try to do it so we are right and good, but to watch and seek after you, to have a love for you and an enjoyment just to be with you. We thank you for that opportunity, and we thank you that it is something new that we come here for and not the old things. We thank you for your love for us, your forgiveness, that you make us whole and new and clean, no matter what we have done, no matter the things we have done, Lord, you forgive. We thank you for those things, and we ask for help and guidance and protection Bring all these people back to this place and watch over all of them watching, listening, and here with us today. In your name we pray. Amen. Coffee in the bag. Hope you'll share a little with us. Thank you. Here it is. Man.